0: Well, here Welcome. we go.
1: Welcome back to Crazy Eights. I'm Shar,
0: and I'm Nathan.
1: And today we have our good friend Katie with us. Hello.
0: Why don't we start a little bit by having Shar? Um, you explain why we know Katie and why she's in my study right now.
1: We know Katie because uh, we are all from the same city. And, uh, Katie and I met through a women's group that we're a part of where we, it's like a social savings club where we each put $40 in a month and then there's a winner each month. Um, and we're on our second year of doing this. And so we met through mutual friends essentially um, I took a little while to warm up to Katie, and I'm sure she probably <laughs> maybe I felt the same took way about me. A little me. while to warm up to Char. <laughs> but this is very typical of my actual strongest friendships in life, so it's fine. That we're gonna talk about that
0: because mm-hmm. I would like to understand why <clears throat> you guys took a long time to warm up to each other.
1: It's
2: actually a really good story that relates to being eights.
1: Yeah, I don't think it was a long
0: time. It was just
1: like when I the very first time that I met. Katie. She also attended the party with another eight. So like there was a lot of really strong female energy in a room where I'm used to usually being one of the ones with the strongest energy, I think. And so immediately I just always notice that. And then it's not that I dislike somebody, but I'm just sort of trying to like figure out who they are and how our energies are going to be able to work together to complicate matters. Katie also really reminded me of somebody who dated my boyfriend who has passed away now. And so I just had a lot of weird feelings because um me and that girl have a complicated relationship. And I unfairly just like let that affect sort of my willingness to be open to Katie when I first met her, I think. But we're past that.
2: We are very much past that.
0: <laughs> what was your first experience of shower? <laughs>
2: Honestly, so it was just like through this dress club that we both attended, and I just knew Char was the strong woman, and I feel like she came to cro- she came across a little bit of I like it sounds like bad, but like through things like you know she's a little bitchy. She. she's just like strong personality, <laughs> and that's fine. Um, but in terms of Enneagram, it's actually quite funny. I don't know if you know this, but how I came across Enneagram is I was talking to Naomi, my sister. Yes. Which is also how Billy Joe came across Enneagram. Um, and we we're just like discussing and I was like, Oh, I'm not sure what I am. And then she goes, Someone I talked to said you were an eight. And I was like, <laughs> sorry, what? Like who? She goes, Well, I don't know, it was either Shar or Nathan. So you know once you talk obsessively about Enneagram. I go, Well, I don't know Nathan. She goes, Well then it must have been Shar. And I go, I don't know Shark. Like I like I don't like we've never interacted more than a couple minutes in a conversation, but it was because I reminded you of That like previous experience that you've had, but she wasn't wrong. So,
0: (laughs) the story of two eight women, it's always not sure how they feel about each other at the beginning, and here we are now. Yeah, okay, so let's go into Katie. You were talking a little bit about before we hit record that um, eights, or at least in your experience, come across as not like kind of they come across as aggressive. But Correct. also, like they don't make space for other people to speak, or what? Where? What were, where were you going with that? Or tell the story that you were trying to tell? So i So I think in
2: terms of like, so eights will have a pain means or will like challenge our friends on the things that they're feeling or thinking, and if someone doesn't have, perhaps around eight. And they don't have the ability or the personality that like accept the challenge and accept the things that are coming towards them will feel as though we are being like attacking or bitchy or what have you. Um, So it takes a lot to. It, It takes some like thinking for us to be like, okay, so like maybe this isn't the way to approach the situation. Right. Whereas like our natural situation is like, well, why are you doing that? That's stupid. Or like what's happening here? Let's talk about it. And maybe that person doesn't want to, or they're not going to respond to a way of like, well, that's dumb. Whereas if someone told me something, was something I'd be like, hey, okay, let's think about that.
1: Is that dumb? Yeah. I think that there's lots of times when we have opinions about things that we likely aren't being asked to share, but we share them anyways because we can't help it. And. One of the things I've learned is that if I'm talking about something out loud with a friend, it's usually because I'm looking for feedback because otherwise I don't even bother to say it out loud. But lots of people just process out loud by being able to talk without somebody giving them an opinion or what they think they should do. That's how I feel about it. And I don't know if there's a difference with that with like the male female dynamic. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's different because when we're trying to connect with other women, maybe were a bit more aggressive than your typical woman would be? I don't know. Do you find this when you're having conversations with your male friends?
0: Um, I can usually pick out an eight because they're usually the ones saying what everybody's thinking. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's hard to pick out a more, a more introverted or quiet eight just because they're they're generally just observing the room kind of thing and they're taking everything in um, but the typical eight that I've met where I'm like oh that person's for sure and eight is just one that is either the center of attention but not center of attention it's like everybody look at me they're the center of the attention because they're driving the conversation forward and they're like Yeah, but what about this? But what about this? Did you ever think about this way? Like, they're constantly, like, poking and prodding at whatever the situation is that is going on to try to sort of get what's at underneath it. And that's a very intimidating and often frustrating trait for um, probably every other number.
2: Right. And the more I think as if I'm coming at you and I'm like, well, this is very logical. Like, tell me more about this. Like, how do you feel about this? Like, what's going on here? For another person who's potentially not an eight, is like, why are you attacking me? Why aren't you letting me have feelings? Like you're yes. you're inserting things here. I'm like, no, I'm just trying to get information on like why you're feeling this way or why this is happening.
0: Yeah, and it, it's, I think, the eightness, you have to be trusted. Then people understand it a little bit more when you start to get inquisitive, but eights also don't have a ton of shame <laughs> so like we can walk into a situation with 10 people we don't know and still have that personality where we're all of a sudden like hold up wait a second right now <laughs> and all of a sudden you are like driving this like investigation into somebody else's life is that eights they're they can do it with a group of strangers they get like they start this inquisitive inquiry into things which is actually like the eight moves to a five in stress. Which is... A five is like the need to know. Like their name or whatever they give it is like called the investigator, which is like we just need to
1: That's what I'm like with new people.
0: Yeah, like, and it's not necessarily because we're stressed, but it's just like we don't know what's going on. We don't know who you are. And it becomes a control thing. And so we go into this mode of like I need to know all the things. Yeah. Like for me, when I get stressed, I go like, I basically disappear and I just start reading. Like I read into every book. It's like my relationship's under stress. I'll go and read every book about relationships. If like things are tough, weird with the kids, I go read about like how to raise kids yeah. right. And I just go into all these like weird places. In social environments, I think that we likely – do the same thing but just like in the group it's like i i gotta yeah that doesn't make any sense hold on like let's go and dig into that a little bit more and we want to like pull that kind of stuff out
2: this actually feels like it's making a lot of sense right now based on how i react to my friends when maybe things aren't going smoothly and i'm like okay i need to ask more questions and i feel like i fully become the investigator but perhaps that becomes overwhelming for some people because they're like Can you not?
1: (laughs) And also, like, half the time I feel like they probably think, calm down, it's not even your life. Like, why are you so stressed out about this? But I had a weird realization the other day because I had a drink with a friend and we were talking about a decision that he had made. And it was a very different decision than I expected from him because of all the previous conversations I have had with him where he has – talked about deciding to do things one way with a certain situation I'm being vague because I don't want to talk about somebody's personal life obviously but I immediately had like a very visceral visceral reaction to it like physically I felt stressed out by the fact that he was now telling me something that contradicts every single thing that he has told me for the last five months about a situation and it it was very stressful and then and I tried to just be like okay. And I was like, I don't understand because you've been saying a different thing for the last five months. And then, you know, whatever, the conversation kind of got cut short because we had to go. And when I was driving away from it, I was like, why am I so stressed out about this? Because it doesn't affect my life. And it doesn't really matter to me. I don't, I don't really have an opinion one way or another, another about it. But I think part of it is that it makes me question whether I can believe that he's a genuine person if he's telling me one thing and acting a different way. And it has nothing to do with me. Like his decision doesn't affect me one way or another. But to me, that's an inconsistency. And then like I further thought that through and and realized again, which is a th- obviously a theme in my life, it literally just comes down to control. Because because he's making a decision that doesn't make sense to me, it feels like things are out of control and out of order and out of like... For you? How I would expect things to be. Yeah.
0: So because this person that you... Their decisions doesn't affect your life, is making decisions where he doesn't know all the information or whatever it is, you feel out of control.
1: I just feel like it makes me feel... Yeah. And I know that that's like not even a logical leap, but I feel out of control when I think the reason it comes down to control for me is because a thing that I had come to expect from a pattern from somebody in my life that I feel like I know pretty well changed drastically to the point where then I'm like, well, then who are you? Like, I don't understand because that's not a thing you've been talking about doing for the last however long. And then I'm like, well, do I know? Like, it just feels it spirals into a thing that's control for me. And I also think that part of that is tied to like my own trauma responses, which I'm realizing a lot lately that for sure I'm going to do some more work on that. Because I think when things change really quickly and unexpectedly, like, my eightness comes into play because it's a weird control thing. But also the fact that I've been through trauma, it triggers something in me where, like, I have a physical reaction to it that's completely unreasonable. Mm -hmm. So I've decided that um, I just got permanent at my job. And now that I'm going to have benefits, I'm going to try to find a counselor who specializes in trauma because I think it's affected my life way more than I realized. And I think the eightness just enhances it.
2: Do you think that the control thing has to do with you not being able to control how someone reacts to a situation, like the way you would want them to react to the situation?
1: Well, yeah, like I don't I don't think the decision that he's making is like a great decision. So that's probably part of it. And you want to like, it's you like should I...
2: control them to like make them make the right decision yeah, in your brain. a
1: little bit. I'm sure that's part of it. If like it much. doesn't affect me personally other than it's like, that, that's not a decision that makes sense because it doesn't line up with anything you've said you want for yourself.
2: Right. And I, I actually have the exact same situation. I have a friend who I like can't listen to his like female situation because it's, in my opinion, such a poor thing and I'll get so upset about it. I'm like, this is so dumb. But I just like, can't even talk about it with you because like I want to be able to control your thoughts on this.
0: <laughs> oh, that's very interesting. Like, what is that that you need to... Why does someone else's bad decisions... Affect you guys so much
2: because you care about this person so much that you don't want to see them be hurt, and you know, and it's not even being hurt, it's being like, I feel like, okay, so like in this situation, if you this person was dating someone, perhaps their like mental health would go down and their like business skills would go down, and like a lot of things that would make them a successful human would diminish because this person is the person they see the most in their life
0: okay so it's a it's a type of empathy for you that like you can put yourself in their shoes and be like oh my goodness your life is going to get that much worse or all these things are going to go wrong or this is nothing like what you had hoped for yourself and you're making this decision that you're like i just can't even Deal with this anymore because well, that I sounds know this is, is very suck dramatic.
2: So much. It sounds very dramatic. Like,
1: also, I feel like empathy is like a bit cl- kind. I feel like it's like <laughs> exactly related empathy to empathy, but if we're being really honest with ourselves, it's more about just feeling like we know what the best thing for that person is, and we think it's stupid when they make a different decision. I'm really happy you
2: just said that because yeah. that's like a yeah, absolutely. And it's not like it's so dramatic that this is the worst thing ever. But like, you're dumb. Like, make the better decision here. <laughs> The better decision is not being with this person. So, like, everything in your life is going to be better. Except for, I don't know, you don't get late as much. I don't know.
0: How do you guys feel when people that love you think the decision you're making is dumb?
1: I don't think people express that to me very often. And it's probably because they're afraid of me.
0: Well, like, how, what about, like, your family? Like, has a family member ever been like, I don't know if this is a good idea, shark
1: Yeah. And I, like... I feel like I internalize it. I still make the decision that I'm going to make, but I internalize it and it affects me and I think about it and I mull it over and then I either I like I logically think about what I know about myself and what they know about me and I come to a decision that I'm comfortable with. So
0: what if you decide the opposite of what they're advising? Do you do you feel like it does something to the relationship with that person that advises you the opposite?
1: I'm trying to think of, like, an example where this has happened so that I can directly answer this question. And right now, I don't have an example. Let me think about it.
0: Have you ever done something?
2: so the only time I feel like someone has, like, directly been, like, this is a dumb decision for you was my mom, who hasn't been alive in eight years. So I feel like I've done a lot of growth and, like, thinking beyond that so I feel like I've obviously come to be a very different person than who I was when my mom had expressed these opinions which was many opinions because we were very different um and it was more like of a clash where we're like I'm just like no you're silly um I don't know I feel like I'm able to express myself when someone says maybe this is a bad decision I can logically come up with a reason why it's not a bad decision Or I say, maybe this isn't a bad decision, but emotionally I'm feeling like I need to do this. And that's what I need to do. And it's understandable where I can like.
1: Yeah, like usually if I'm making a bad decision, I know I'm making a bad decision. So I don't disagree with the people that think I'm making a bad decision. I just am like, yeah, this is probably a dumb thing to do. And I'm going to do it. And then I know I'll be fine. And usually I don't really like. I don't typically talk through decisions with people. I come to them when I've made a decision and I'm like, this is a thing that I'm doing. And here's why. Yeah. And also Katie and I were talking about this earlier, but I feel like I'm the type of person who I will make a decision and I'm not focused on whether it's the right or wrong decision because I will just make that decision the right one. Like I will choose a path and then I never will look back and second guess or regret. I just make that path work. And if it doesn't work, I shift it a little bit. Like, I don't spend a lot of time analyzing choices. I'm very, like, gut instinct. This is how I'm feeling. This is what I need to do.
0: So what, what does that say about how you think about these people that are making bad decisions? Like I feel you, like
1: I feel like m- usually when I'm having frustrations about that it's cuz it it's also like they're like a wishy-washy person and they change their minds a million times about what they want and then trusting their decision is difficult. The bottom line is I don't have to trust anybody's decision. It's their decision and I just need to learn how to not let it affect me cuz it shouldn't affect me really. Well, it's not my business. There we go. Well, yeah, welcome but it's, back it's important to, to, to understand age. why
0: it's your friends you. where it's like if they're if they have a certainty about their decision that's easier for you to, like, support them in it or to not I don't think be it's certainty as much as it's,
1: like, confidence, almost. Like, it's I'm not like, always certain confidence. in the decisions I make, but I make them, like, with a clear...
2: I feel like sometimes you're like, okay, so I'm getting into the situation right now. Like, maybe you're, like, taking a job, for example. So I'm taking this job, and, like, maybe the, like logic of it doesn't fit like maybe it's not the best decision based on money or based on location or based on like what I'm doing but it feels good and emotionally I really really want to do this okay as long as you like you're like addressing in your brain that maybe this isn't right and I'm gonna be okay if like I go through this and it doesn't happen and I'll figure it out later on but emotionally this is something I need to do then I'm very down with it
1: I think I just had a realization. It comes down to, which we've talked about this on the podcast before, it comes down to, like, if somebody is, like, very um, wishy-washy is a weird term. So I'm trying to think of something better. But just kind of, like, wavering. "Eh, I don't know. Some days I feel this way. Some days I feel that way. It's, it's hard.
2: Is being strong in your opinions an ain't quality? Like, it's like a... (laughs)
0: Well, that so an eight like all the numbers have needs associated with them, mm-hmm. and an eight's need is to be strong. Mm-hmm. And so, an eight also, um, and I think this is where you are sort of getting at, despises weakness in others. Mm-hmm. Like when we see the weakness, we're like, "Oh my it's god!" It's a turn off. Like we have this, we have this innate ability. Like if somebody is in need. Like, we are there. Like, we are there. We are picking them up. We we can, like, go for it. As soon as it feels like they are in need because of their own weakness, it's like we have, like, no patience for it. It's like, what the fuck? I I don't know why we're doing this anymore. And this whole conversation around this indecisiveness and this wavering, I'm not really sure. Like, I see indecisiveness in other people as a weakness. Yeah. And that weakness is something that it, it's just it's a very it's very much a turn off for me. I'm just like, just make up your mind and live yes. your life like why are you
1: let's go doing all this kind of like Actually stuff because that. I see
0: a lot of value in just moving forward and um this sort of, like having autonomy over your own life that just you make the decision you go and sort of do that thing yeah.
1: It's the same as how we've talked before about how like I find it so difficult to deal with a person in my life who keeps coming to me with the same problem over and over and over again because it's like if you're going to stay in it and you know you're going to stay in it, just own that, make the decision and stay in it or get out or whatever the situation is, like make a different choice. Like I don't, I have a very hard time understanding or relating to people who are just sort of like passive participants in their life. It's- and, and it does, it is a weakness and it is a off. That's what it is. That is what
0: you it view is. it as a weakness. I view it no, as a weakness. That's what's
2: interesting. I was like, like literally you saying this makes me think like, Oh, is there, there's another way of thinking? Like that's what my brain goes to. Oh, like
1: that's not the only option. Yeah, I don't think you've realized how much of an eight you are yet. <laughs> I've never, i I've never actually scored an eight. Neither have I. Really? I think that right now, Katie is, like, at the similar space that I was when I found out I was an eight and, like...
2: I've never scored an eight on the Instagram.
1: So
0: the test... Uh, I've said this probably a hundred times, but the test is not a... um, That is not the determinant of your number.
2: I would also like to say... That that night I was okay. very drunk. You gotta get this. You gotta talk into your microphone.
0: Are we speaking
1: right now? Yeah. Yeah, oh, we're recording. We I, did, I didn't. I didn't know out. we were recording. ABR <laughs> a- a- guys I
0: always be we're recording. recording. We don't have to talk about that uh, night yet. The, get, we'll save that one for the hot tub. This should
1: be the opening. No, sound but I'm just saying. You told me
2: that night that we were. I was absolutely not an eight. I remember that. It stuck in my head.
0: I said you were absolutely not an eight, or I said I, you're probably a seven wing eight i'm pretty sure i said really, that there's no way name. i said <laughs> first of all i don't no i you. don't say the word absolutely <laughs> <laughs> like that I'm i forget that what it competent. was but you
2: said something about me not being an eight and i was like oh i not right.
0: i i think i said based on what i know about you i would guess a, a seven wing eight which is you have a bunch of eight traits so here you are i also
2: have a bunch of seven traits so
0: likely all seven two sevens are sevens are interesting i'm an eight wing seven so if you're a seven-wing eight, like there's a ton of similarities.
1: I always feel like Katie's an eight-wing seven, but it could just be because I relate so hard to the eight qualities. I don't know. Who knows? Are you? I'm eight-wing nine. You're nine. Which is complicated. It, is. That,
2: it actually makes no sense to be the eight-wing nine person. That's like, not, I feel like that's, it's so contrast. That's what, I
1: know. That, that's what I have makes a few
0: it, nine wing eight-wing nine friends. It
1: differentiates. I notice the most differentiation when it comes to conflict and how I deal with conflict.
2: Mm -hmm. um whereas you're like I don't care
1: like I have nine friends that I think are actually more okay with conflict than I am and yeah I just have a very like I don't like conflict but when it comes to injustices or something like that like I'll go to bat for a client or if I think a friend is being treated unfairly or whatever I will go to bat I just don't like the actual process of it at all makes me very uncomfortable like that's your two that's your two. That's your two. <laughs> I, th- I was so happy when I thought it was a two. I a good... Right. Where I, I
2: think that like going to bat for people and like caring and like wanting to be there's a two, not necessarily the nine. An
1: eight. That's an eight quality. Yeah, two. An eight.
0: So an eight moves to a two.
1: In their best state. In huh? their,
0: yeah, in their integration or their health or however they sort of like put it. So there's similarities there. But the eights drive is is justice in a way and so like that's it an eight wing nine i my one of my good friends is an eight wing nine and he would say like the difference between me and him is i tend to um i i tend to dive headfirst into situations that clearly have conflict in them even though I'm not like I don't look for the conflict, I just it, I don't even I'm not even aware of it, right. and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh crap, what's going on? Like I didn't yeah. mean to like sort of do that.
1: Whereas I'm Wh- hyper aware of it.
0: Yeah, he would be hyper aware of it too, but he also would be he there. There is a part of him that just avoids it, yeah. <laughs> like where it's just like Ugh. like that's not necessary. What's like, worth it for for it? Where I just don't even notice it. Yeah. I'm just like oh shit I just had conflict like it's always like I'm looking backwards and and noticing that about myself
1: we're very different in that way for sure don't enjoy conflict (laughs) will avoid at all costs Mm -hmm. but the times where I'm not afraid of it is when I feel like I'm standing up for what's right or trying to have conversations around issues where I think I have a responsibility to share those opinions right and a lot of times if it comes down to me like a conflict that's purely just I'll just be like, this is not worth this conversation. I'd rather just avoid it.
0: Yeah. Which I, I would as well. I don't I don't enjoy conflict be, for the sake of conflict. I generally enjoy conflict because of what it reveals. Yeah. The, what's on the other side of it.
1: I think that's what's
2: important in conflict, though. You don't go into conflict for the purpose of conflict. You go in, into conflict for the purpose of what it reveals. Like, there's so many things where it's like... I'm going to ask you this question, because either way, it gives me a direction on where to go with you or this situation or whatever. It's not like I enjoy going into the conflict. It's like I need to go into the conflict because I need to know which way to go. Because
1: you need control.
2: Uh, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, um, But sometimes it's scary, right? Sometimes you're like, oh my God, I have to ask this person this question. I know I have to do it, and I know I'm going to, but it's terrifying.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, prepared conflict sucks. Like, where I'm just, like, I'm building myself up for this situation where I know I have to confront somebody. Well, the anxiety. And, like, in all of my relationships and businesses, I'm the person that has to do it. Because people assume that I, like, enjoy it or something, and I hate every second of it. Mm-hmm. But I'm the one that has to go fire people, confront people on their It's because situation. you seem
1: comfortable while you're doing it.
0: That's really interesting. I'm okay. not at all comfortable when I'm confronting someone or I shouldn't even say
1: comfortable it just seems like it doesn't bother you
0: no, I think people assume you wrong. don't have feelings <laughs> <laughs> of course that right? is how people think of eights all the time
1: like most most people would deal with an eight thinking like nothing they say or do is really going to hurt their feelings because they don't really have them which is so untrue
2: as well to what we talked about before in terms of like you need to get to know someone to like really understand their like feelings and what happens whereas if you like don't know innate perhaps like on you just like meet them and you don't know them like in depth then they're like a bitch or they'll go into conflict or what have you right Mm -hmm.
1: and i think that's really really interesting yeah so katie and i are both in new-ish relationships not even ish Light on the ish, heavy on the new. <laughs> um, Wait. Has he done the Enneagram? Your new yes, lover? He's he's a nine-wing one. Okay. Interesting. Popular combo. Nine and eight energy. So
0: many nine-wing ones in my life. <laughs>
2: nine-wing one. Like, have you, even,
1: what does that even mean? Have you... Like, have you noticed any um, of the Enneagram showing itself through your interactions in your relationship yet or not so much yet? So I'm always the person
2: to like bring the conflict and I'm you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm like putting air quotes up the conflict into their relationship. Like if I have a problem, I'm going to bring it up because I need to know the answer. But he will very much like answer it and it's generally good. I guess that means like things are good. I don't know. Um, but I'm always the one to bring it up. There's right. no conflict bringing up on his behalf.
1: <laughs> right. And conflict meaning like having conversations that are moving the relationship forward.
2: Having conversations that are like anything other than like the standard that we're doing at the moment. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yes. I think that's like 8 9 thing probably. Yeah. Well, Nathan can speak to that.
0: Yeah, 9s um they're not going to be the instigators of progress <laughs> or change. <laughs> or yeah, or like yeah, identifying things that are not going as well. Um that is definitely a, an eight trait where you just say like, as soon as something doesn't feel right, you just t- start talking about it. You just want to work, work it out in and on the spot. And th- eventually that wears on other people because, like, they might just fall asleep on it. And then just wake up and it's like, I didn't even think about it.
2: The more of. we talk, the more I'm but- <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yes. Because I think there's, like, so many things where I'm like, okay, this is clearly weighing on... Everyone. Like, there's no way I'm the only person this is weighing on if we're in a relationship and like something's happening, right? But I'm definitely
0: going to bring it up.
2: And like, maybe it's after a little while. Like, maybe I don't bring it up immediately because I'm like, okay, let's like see how this plays out.
0: Wait 15 minutes or so and then like just. <laughs>
1: One more glass of wine.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's probably more like it. One more
1: yeah. glass of wine and then we'll bring it up.
2: And... <laughs> oh, man. Um, but like, To me, like, thinking, it's, like, crazy that this would be something that wouldn't just never bring up. You know what I mean? I couldn't imagine being in a relationship where we both have, like, there's clearly something going on in the relationship and just no one ever brings it up. Yeah. It blows my mind. Like, how does that happen? That's very nice. Yeah,
0: it's definitely not a a never bring it up thing. Like, I had to learn being with a nine to start journaling because... It allowed me to bring it up and get it out there, and like think it out and lay it all out, so that I like actually. It wasn't because there was there was very little room for like a off the cuff conversation. I was like, "Hey, you just did that thing. What, what's that all about?" And then like there, it just that doesn't ever make sense because people experience me as like attacking with that sort of inquisitive inquisitiveness or curiosity of like. Hey, why did that just happen? I have just felt really weird about that situation. Like, do you want to talk about it? Like, there's, I think there's very little room for me to have those kinds of conversations. So I've learned to journal because that allows me to process. Um, I could process with certain friends and and such, but I have found that it's not as always helpful to process on the spot. And so it's helped me like kind of figure it out over here so that if I am ready to talk about it, it's, it's much more thought through and it's not just a let's just shoot the shit about this conversation
2: right i think that's very important actually i think for me it needs to be like out of the situation it needs to be like not an emotionally charged thing think about it how do i actually feel how am i going to actually portray this thing that it's ex- i'm experiencing in a way that perhaps this other person maybe it's my friendships as well now that i'm processing in my brain right now but like you you think back and then you're like okay how am I gonna explain this to this person who you need to portray it in a way that doesn't seem attacking and doesn't seem in a way that like everything you do is wrong yeah which is actually quite interesting because I like I do I do process more in a relationship than I do in my friendships yeah because perhaps my friendships, I feel like, are there
1: regardless. There's but. a different level of trust, especially at the beginning of a relationship. Okay. Um. I think one of the things I'm most proud about in my own life over the last couple years is that I actually, like, now when I start to have a reaction to something, my first inclination is to internally process what what is being triggered – Why is it that I'm feeling this way? And do as much introspection before I bring it to another person in my life. Like as soon as I had a strong reaction to you, my first thought was actually not like oh, Katie's a bitch or I don't like Katie. It was like, what about Katie is triggering something in me that I need to work on? And I'm really, I think it's like brought a lot of growth to my life Mm -hmm. because there's been a lot of situations now where I react to a situation or a person. And then upon further um, reflection, I realize, oh, this is actually something that needs to be either healed within myself or, just worked through and thought out to figure out. And so in my relationships with friends and lovers, <laughs> now I won't bring something to somebody until I'm clear about what I'm feeling, why and why I'm feeling it because I don't my own like trauma reactions or triggers should not become their problem. And, and and I can still talk to them about it and express it once I've had the time to process it thoroughly, but then mm-hmm. it's just sharing and it's mm-hmm. not putting it on their plate as in like, you need to fix this because I'm feeling this way. Mm-hmm. And it's made a world of difference in my ability to like also just trust my ability to be more thoughtful about things and i feel like the reaction that i'm getting from my friends or the people that i'm dating or whatever is improved from it
2: do we know any A relationships and like how does that go
0: so interesting because i've never been i've never wanted a r- romantic relationship with another eight female like i've just never wanted it and it's never like Eight females are my best friends. Like, I have multiple women that are eights that I'm, like, like, I would, like, it just goes very deep. But yeah. they're, the romantic side never, like, never evolves or blossoms out of it. I don't know what it, I don't know why. Um, I've never heard of an eight-eight relationship. Like, I don't know anybody that is in that sort of situation. I dated
1: an eight briefly.
0: You think? He didn't think. know. Yeah, he, like, did yeah, he a little thing. did the
1: thing. test and it said yeah. the eight, but. We don't really know. I liked him.
0: Yeah. That was Nathan's, <laughs> that was Nathan's <laughs> favorite, why, of course. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, what a guy! What a guy!
2: Is there anything in the Enneagram that says like an H data nine or an H data whatever? Or you can
0: go and read. I think it's the Enneagram Institute has a pretty good thing where um, it's the dynamics between the numbers. Mm-hmm. So there would be um, things that would work very well and then problem spots for those numbers.
1: um, How like if the partners are both healthy, what it can look like or like if people are moving towards growth, what it can look like. How they end up Mm -hmm. like going further and further apart from each
0: other. And that's another good way to figure out your number um, is to be reading those. If if somebody that you're in a relationship with knows their number for sure,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: then you can go back and read that and be like, Oh, like the eight makes way more sense with that number than the seven or the two or whatever you end up doing. But yeah, there's um the relationships that I have with other eights, whether male or female, are generally there's a lot of understanding. Like I find that that's the deepest connection. and that, And that's one of the most important parts of a relationship, I think, is that mutual understanding of like where they're coming from their intensity is never too much. Like you can absorb it and you, in fact you welcome it and you like pull it out of them. That's why it was one of the reasons like as soon as Shar and I were in a room together, all of a sudden we're like in this explosive debate off to the side. Everybody else is cowering away <laughs> thinking that we're there. We like mad at each other or something like that. We both walk away thinking that was the best night ever. <laughs> Thanks for having that evening with me kind of thing. And we're like, like these conversations are so fun because Like I'm not having to second guess anything. I'm not having to think about how I'm affecting you. And if there's anything that an eight has to deal with as they mature, it's the fact that they do affect people constantly in in ways that they're not expecting, (laughs) and it's very embarrassing. Like I've 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 been I've been full of shame about how I've made other people feel completely unaware of that kind of thing. And so there's a freedom that I feel around other eight because I don't have that sense of like I need to watch my tongue or are they thinking about this like like are they going to like hold this are they going to bring this up about me like in an argument like in like a week later when they're hurt like I just know how they operate and so I'm not as worried about it which allows me to just be much more comfortable to be able to just be myself.
2: I'm having a lot of thoughts right now. Because come share. closer to the microphone as you I'm share having a lot thoughts. of thoughts right now uh, Only because So in the process Well I guess The most recent person I, I didn't really date them. I went on a few dates with this person Before I met my current boyfriend And he, like I don't know He never did the test but I'm certain he was an 8 7 Like 7 like Very similar to me in terms of like adventurous But also like I'm going to tell you what's up and he was very communicative, and, like very going to tell you everything all the time. And I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to distinguish right now whether this was a Katie problem or a him problem or like what the problem was. But it was, it was a lot. It was like, hey, you said this. And like I'd say, like literally just like going day to day, like, hey, how are you? He's like, well, you said, hey, how are you? And it's like interesting way. And he'd like bring lots of things up all the time. And like. In the beginning, I'm like, okay, I can understand this. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. But it was, like, so often that I'm like, listen, man, we can't have every conversation going into, like, my thoughts and feelings and why I said hello to you in the way I said
1: hello to you. Mm-hmm.
0: But so that, th- that doesn't sound like that an That doesn't aid. sound like an eight at all to me. No?
1: no? No. AIDS are generally, like, so cocky that they would never assume somebody was, like, taking them the wrong way or it's hurting true. like they, they would literally that we're like, no. like no, when you find like how i'm go- like i know but he was taking you in a certain way right he was coming to you and saying well the way you said hello to me this summer this okay, morning was so a little weird like are you feeling okay. off or what's the deal like right. i
0: don't think that's eight right.
1: i don't know well, what it that is maybe but, that yeah. mean something. it's so Take hard to
0: guess based on how somebody else is explaining yeah. their experience with somebody else it is hard but i do find that like one thing that I've been told often is that they ne- people never have to guess what I'm thinking. Like they're okay. like they're in a relationship and like there's never I I'm not usually giving off vibes that people are like oh, is he mad at me or is right. he is he did he do that passive aggressively because like sure. I'm not a passive aggressive person I'm not I I usually just say what I'm feeling and right. it's been kind of blatant that way so okay. if somebody is. That doesn't necessarily mean that an eight couldn't be intuitive. That somebody else might be passive aggressive, or like there's more underlying their their actions. But my guess is that that kind of person um, they're just they're reading into so many things because they've probably been burned in the past, or they have more. um, Yeah, they're they're not trusting of your actual reaction. That they're thinking that there's always something underlying you know what and
2: i think that's fair and i think like the interesting why i would think this person could be innate is because they're like not afraid to bring conflict based on the fact that you're like communicating yep. you know what i mean hey i'm feeling like you feel this way or whatever it is which is like that could bring a lot of conflict yep right
0: which i think could be that could be a five thing that could be a one thing okay yeah, sure. like there's definitely a, a lot of other numbers that are that don't shy away from conflict. But like it's not okay. yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Like some eights do shy away from conflict even. But there's um Yeah. There's different stances as well too. There's the aggressive stance, the passive stance, and the I forget the third. Aggressive, passive, and I forget the third. But those like, that's why there's a lot of mistypes as well because how they come across to other people. So like threes, eights, and ones, I think maybe seven, I don't remember, are all in the aggressive stance. So we do come across as this much more like to other people. Or like I once did
2: a personality test at my old job. And they send you like a list and it's like copy and pasted of like sentences or copy and pasted to like what you are based on what you said. And they told me I was aggressive like 17 times. And I was like, I'm aggressive? And I was like so offended. Fuck you, I'm not aggressive. Was, like, and then I went to my boss and he's like, so how do you feel about this? Like they said I was aggressive like literally nine times in this thing. And he was like and you don't think you're aggressive? And I was like, no! And he's like Maybe you should think about That's that. So funny. And I was like, oh, okay.
0: That's part of your story. When, when as Char re- understood that she was an eight, she was basically surrounded by friends, be like, "Uh, yeah, Shar. you're, <laughs> of course, you're, you're right. very intimidating. You're aggressive, which like, breaks my like, heart.
1: Like, it is heartbreaking. The, I bawled my eyes out when I found out that I was an eight.
0: You would <laughs> because did cry a lot. I, I was
1: I, because not because I'm an eight, but because. I know what that group of friends that I was with that night thinks about eights and like why (laughs) they would have categorized me as an eight. And I try really hard to be a really good friend. Like it's one of the things I take the most pride on in my life because I value it. Like it's like my one of my top three important things in my life, you know. And so to think that the kind of friendship that I was providing to people was not the kind of friendship that they wanted and so therefore I was actually not being a good friend was so heartbreaking to me you know but thank god because now I feel like I've I've been able to carve out like a different way of interacting with my friends and I'm just much more conscious it doesn't always work like sometimes I'm sure I still leave my friends and they're like I think Char is way too opinionated and bossy but like I've learned to pick up on cues that I probably wouldn't have picked up on before I feel like I've learned to make space for people to have opinions more than I would have before and generally I think I hope I'm being a better friend to people who need me to be a friend in a different way to them now and now I just know which friends I can just like let it all hang out with you know
2: so so Nathan if you were to describe to me what Nate is how would
1: you describe it amazing fantastic <laughs> no
0: complaints 10 out of 10 would recommend um it's quite like it's hard for me to describe like i've been it what was the enneagram it was in, me, in mean, my it, it was, was in so, my yeah. divorce that i discovered my anus okay like, the enneagram became very important to me during that time of my life because the Enneagram teaches you about what motivates you and right. what is like driving you forward. So an so eight just... for me now is someone that um is driven by um this sense of like this like universal global like justice. Like there's something there's something right and that is like the thing it's like I have to do that thing or I have to stand up for that thing, I have to stand up for those people, or whatever it is. Like there is a there is a particular way that the world is bent and we feel that um, we have to fight on the side of goodness as that sort of like goes. Like that is the motive. How an eight comes across is an entirely different thing. And eights can come across in multiple different ways. So that's why it's more difficult because I do feel like a lot of people don't didn't think I was an eight because I'm a social eight. So there's um, subtypes, which is social sexual and self-preservation and so you have different um relationships with each of those subtypes so i am a social um sexual eight and i suppress my self-preservation side if you compare me to someone who is a self-preservation sexual uh, eight we're, we look entirely different like we are we are two entirely different personalities okay
1: can you can I interject and just say, can you give a breakdown for our two listeners about what the social, sexual, and self prez are again? Because I know we've talked about it, but just a refresher.
0: I'm not. I'm not very educated drunk? on it. <laughs> so,
1: like
2: we. So if you, do you have a so okay. no. So if you it's were to long. do like if you were to do a quick Google search on like what Nate an is and mm-hmm. qualities of Nate, like what would come up?
0: strong challenging leader they're the ceo they're usually the center of attention they're the
2: okay so sorry char do you want
1: to read something (laughs) um as soon as this, okay. as soon so, as this loads, uh, so I will. So <laughs> what I'm
2: trying to get at and well, what my like, point is, is more of the fact that like I want to be strong. I want to be CEO. I like yep. don't shy away from... I don't necessarily want to be the center of attention, but I don't shy away from being the center of attention. Like All those things you said, I am like very much a...
0: That's your desire.
2: I, I want to be those things. I'm like yes. very interested in those. But then when you think about how other people take those things...
0: Right. Where it's like
2: other people how
0: they come across. Right.
2: It's like you're not an eight, and then let's say you're whatever something else, and all of a sudden your Mm -hmm. strongness is bitchiness, and all of a sudden your like desire to be a CEO is like overbearingness, and all these other things are these other characteristics. You're like,
1: holy fuck. Okay, that's not what I want. I'm gonna drop some knowledge for you guys pretty quick here, okay? Type Eight. This is from the um, Enneagram Institute. So it's the title is The Challenger. And then the key points are the powerful, dominating type, self-confidence, decisive, willful and confrontational eights are self-confident strong and assertive protective resourceful straight talking and decisive but can also be egocentric and domineering eights feel like they must control their environment especially people sometimes becoming confrontational and intimidating eights typically have problems with their tempers and with allowing themselves to be vulnerable at their best self-mastering they use their strength to improve others lives becoming heroic magnanimous and inspiring their basic fear is of being harmed or controlled by others, and their basic desire is to protect themselves to be in control of their own life and destiny. Enneagram 8 with a 7 wing is the maverick, and Enneagram 8 with a 9 wing is the bear. Key motivation, want to be self-reliant to prove their strengths, resist weakness, important in their world, dominate the environment, and stay in control of their situation. Emanate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> welcome <laughs> thank you Yay. hello Here my name are. is katie and i am an aide
0: <laughs> it's like the beginning some things stood out to me like independence is a huge one like self-reliance um like we like definitely my biggest um one of my biggest strengths is i do make other people shine like in all my businesses and everything that i do like I rarely have an idea that I care about so much because I had the idea. But, like, if somebody that I trust or believe or something like that has the idea, like, I can use my energy and my gifts to, like, blow that thing up into well, a whole other And I another think this world.
1: is why we care. When we're talking about our friends that we think are making bad decisions and all that stuff, it's really just us trying to, like, swoop in and try to, like, be heroic in their lives. It's just, like, they don't want us to do that. So it's actually not helpful, yeah. but that's the energy that it's coming from. Right. Right? And we can't, we
2: think we're being helpful. But we think we're trying to of like course. save the day. So, okay. but we're not being helpful. Can at I? All.
1: I want to explore something else because I feel like um, this is an interesting thing that we. Um, I th- I don't know that we've ever talked about this on the podcast before, but um, we all have experienced pretty significant losses in our lives. Um, which most people would probably say is associated with some kind of trauma right and it's interesting because sometimes i'll be online and looking at something or whatever i'll see something about trauma that also very much relates to eightness and so i wonder how much of an eight i was before that loss versus after that loss and how it has transpired in my life since that because radical independence is also a reaction to trauma or loss yep. and I know that in my life now a hundred percent part of the reason why independence and knowing I can take care of myself and doing those things is important to me is because I've been in a situation where I was going into a partnership and then it was just gone because he died and so like in my life plus I had been through a divorce before that so like I've already kind of been on the vibe of just always wanting to be able to take care of myself. But the thought of relying on somebody or being vulnerable or trusting somebody once you've experienced loss or trauma is really difficult. And so were we less eight before we had those losses? Did those losses make us more eight or did it just exasperate the eight that already existed?
2: I think this is a huge, huge question. Yeah. And I think... It, my enneagram would be very different 10 years ago, 8 years ago, whatever, than it is right now. Why? And I think that's very interesting. And before I get to the why, I think it'd be very interesting to wonder how many 18-year-olds, how many 19-year-olds, how many 20-year-olds, like what the percentage of eights or whatever, like, if it differs, right? right. Like, if as like people get older, they become more... If there's more 8s in their 40s than there are in their 20s or whatever. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. So I did ask this question when we interviewed somebody whose name we won't talk about because it's controversial right now. We never put that episode out <laughs> um, about how how trauma or experience changes the Enneagram. Yeah. And I can't remember, but I'm sure you know how he answered that question or what he, the insight into that.
0: Yeah, I think... It's contested, but I tend to agree with the side that says, like, you're born your number, and your number um, interacts with trauma and interacts with life um, in just in a very particular way. I'm saying that an eight would um, experience trauma very differently than a two would. And
2: but I feel like anyone would. OK, you, are we recording? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, though. shit. Sorry. So my thoughts were just like anyone. So if if the theory is that you're born your number and then like perhaps for life you are. Like nurtured, I guess is the word, a different way, then perhaps things change. Like so for me, I actually probably believe I was born an age, and I've been this, like, person who's wanted these things, and then parenting has, like, come down on me to be like, no, you can't have opinions, no, you can't do these things, I'm not saying my parents weren't amazing people, but I think if you're taught to not have opinions or not have thoughts or not have things, you suppress that, mm-hmm. and then, like, since my mom died, I... And my, I've been able to come into the thoughts that I was never able to have previously. Yes. And like, again, don't want to shit on anyone who had a major impact on my life, but I think that's a major thing for me becoming who I am.
0: Yeah. Couldn't agree more. There's no the I'm going to butcher this probably, but like a big part of the research around the Enneagram is all about the innocence of childhood. (laughs) And each of the numbers has a different kind of innocence, just in the way that they're observing and experiencing the world around them. And then as they sort of come into um, consciousness, as they sort of start to realize what's going on around them, depending on their situation, um, it interacts with that innocence in a way that creates these patterns for the rest of their life. And those patterns... is a big part of what the Enneagram is detecting and saying so like an eight um I don't even know but I I just know that like I'm I have this sense of innocence I have a sense that the world is supposed to be a certain way I come to this realization you know as a young child that like the world isn't right like there's something going wrong here and what's going on it could be me being abused it could be me being like attacked or being picked on or like bullied or something like that that causes me to have a particular um perspective on the world that then starts to inform the way that i sort of like grow from that but like they say that if you take you know 20 different kids and put them all into like a village and you raise them like the same way and they're all at the same age they're all going to raise they're all going to be different In the end, even though they're probably all experiencing similar trauma, similar life situations, similar rules, similar raising and all these other kinds of things, they're all going to be different because their numbers are different and they're interacting with that trauma. They're interacting with each other in those kinds of ways. I don't know. I, I know I'm butchering it. I think it's Russ Hudson, his book like really gets into like the childhood development and how that sort of like evolves into like the adults that they are after. But it's
2: very interesting though. Cause then at like what stage do you become your true number? Uh, the but true, the, when do you become a true eight or whatever? And if that. what we've
0: learned about the Enneagram is the Enneagram is not your number. The Enneagram is the defense mechanisms that you have put up because of these patterns to defend people from knowing who you really are and defend you from really knowing yourself so you aren't an eight like we are eights because those are the patterns that we've developed over our entire lives to actually avoid um being vulnerable
2: so do we think that like experienced trauma has made us develop the patterns that made us who we are so we're only eights because we developed we did the trauma
1: no, I think we were probably born with eightness and then you suppress. I think when you're a child, you probably suppress a lot of things. And like I even know that I reached out a, a point at a certain time in my life where like I had conversations with my parents and stuff where I finally felt like I could sort of like be myself. And like now I feel like I can be myself around my mom and dad almost 100 percent, you know? But like for so long, I didn't feel that way because there was pressure to be one way or making decisions a certain way. I think wow. we do suppress it a lot.
0: Like you've probably heard the language of like true self, false self a little bit, that your number is your false self.
2: So do you think as, so do you think parents today who are like I feel like humans, like us being more aware of this right now? Want to raise our children as people who can express who they want to be. Yes. So we're going to raise our kids to be more like I don't want to raise my kid like giving ideals on them.
0: Yeah, You don't want to tell them who they are.
2: Right. So do we think that so then if we're going on the number way, if our number is like our false self, do we think our children who are growing up not suppressing anything or not suppressing who they are and trying to be who our parents want us to be and being us because our parents have decided we can be us is it going to be different does that make a difference at all
1: how are you vulnerable
2: so it's actually funny because this has been the vulnerability thing has been something that's been a question for a long time and in my previous sales job i was always told i was like you're not vulnerable. I'm like, Hell, what do you mean I'm not vulnerable? I tell everyone what's happening in my life. Okay.
0: Transparency does not equal vulnerability.
2: I know, but I... <laughs> uh, so, this is what I'm learning. This is what I'm learning. And... Oh, this is a hard question. How am I vulnerable? I think I'm vulnerable with my closest people. You know what I mean? Like, when I feel like when I get with my closest girlfriends... <laughs> I can be like I'm feeling insecure in this regard. And maybe I'm not fully understanding your question. Like what do you like what do you
1: mean? No, it's true though.
2: Like maybe I'm not. Like what do you mean by like how am I vulnerable?
1: How are you vulnerable?
2: With who? Like just just answer. I don't know the (laughs) I don't know how to answer the question. I don't know how to answer the question. I really don't. Um Why is this so funny? Are you? It's been a struggle for me to be vulnerable my whole life. And so the problem is, is like, I think my vulnerability is different than what, you know what I mean? Like, I think, oh, this happened in my life. So something to me that would deem vulnerability.
0: To somebody else. Yeah.
2: Hi, my dad died. To me, that's vulnerable. Right. To me, if I'm telling you that this happened, I'm being vulnerable because, like, obviously I feel some sort of way when my dad died.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. That's
2: vulnerable. Hey, I really liked my dad and my dad died. To me, that's vulnerable. Is it? Yes.
0: Why? Like, how are you being vulnerable by sharing history?
2: So maybe I'm not. So, right. So, So this is where I'm probably not correct in thinking and literally no wrong answer no there is I've truly this is I'm not joking been a question I've had with people my entire life um where it's like well your facts aren't vulnerability Mm -hmm. but I don't know if right now in my life I know how to be vulnerable I don't know how
1: that's honest I was asking because it's uh When Nathan hosted the Enneagram Workshop Weekend, that was the repeating question for eights, right?
0: As a practice, each number has a repeating question. And so to an eight, you would say, how are you vulnerable? And you listen to their answer. And then you say, oh, wow, thank you. And then you say, so how are you vulnerable? And you ask it. And the whole purpose of the repeating questions is that your first answer is generally your conscious answer, like. (laughs) like i my first answer to that was i'm not i'm not vulnerable like don't and then you ask again and then it gets into your sort of subconscious and then if you ask again like you're starting to get into your unconscious like what's actually going on by the time that those questions were at the end for me by the third or fourth time i was asked that question i was like in tears i'm like i'm so lonely. like I don't know I'm so like it was a disaster see and
1: uh, we've talked about this before and I think it's funny because I didn't go to that weekend but when he was talking to me about the um, repeating questions and that experience that he had where his initial reaction was I'm not I think this is a male female thing where men see vulnerability as weakness and women value vulnerability Mm -hmm. and so if somebody asked me that question my initial reaction would have been I'm so vulnerable like I have put my life out there I have taught Talked about what's happened in my life. I share all the time about that kind of stuff. Not all the time, but like I will share those kinds of things with people. But it's true that information is not the same thing as being vulnerable. And so it's interesting that you, as another female eight, like your initial reaction was like to want to prove that you are vulnerable. I'm right? str-
2: I'm struggling right now. I'm really struggling, and I struggled with this before when I was called out on it before. With. Information vulnerable, but like, how do you get more vulnerable than facts? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know.
0: Because vulnerability is allowing other people the ability to hurt you.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Do we so ever facts? Do that?
0: We are very good at providing facts because facts actually serve as a protection. For our vulnerability. So I'm
2: going to give you like two different scenarios. Okay. Mom and dad died. That's really fucking shitty. I watched them die. That's really shitty. Also, I'm getting into a new relationship and it's scary. Like getting hurt again is going to be scary one day. Like the potential of that is and I've had to work through a lot of things to get there. Like what more do you want from me? You know what I mean? Like how can I be more vulnerable than that information that I've just given you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. Right? Yeah. Like, no, like, I just I, like, like struggle
2: struggling. with, like, how do I be vulnerable with you? Here are the facts. Here's how I feel. That's it.
0: But
1: I think it's not – it's so much less about, like, what we share or talk about and so much more about what we're brave enough to put ourselves in this situation of. And I th- feel that you and I approach relationships in a somewhat similar fashion in that we always feel in control of – the relationship like we are we are steadfast about our ability to be alone and i think that part of that is because to us that's a protection against being in a situation where we could be vulnerable and we're out of control and somebody could hurt us
0: maybe a better question is when's the last time you've been vulnerable with and you have to explain the situation with a a romantic partner
2: never <laughs> <laughs> um
0: and then like why not like what is it that is like ugh. because for me my partners generally find it very difficult to get to know me because I'm very guarded they don't feel that I'm being vulnerable with them and how do you build a relationship with somebody who you're not being vulnerable with
1: and i think that's part of our like independence and our going into something where it's like just so you know i'm fine on my own like if so it's work workouts right, right I'm now fine. like
2: i'm actually feeling very weird right now and i so i'm in a very new relationship i've been like i'm single a lot of my life so My feelings on this are like, well, if you're not feeling like I'm open enough, you're not asking me enough questions. You know what I mean? Because I feel like I'm open enough that, like, if you're going to ask me enough, if you're going to ask me questions, I'm going to be open to you. I'm going to tell you what's up.
0: But take the idea of them knowing particular information out of the equation. Do they? (laughs) Do you allow yourself to be into a, in a position with somebody else where they can hurt you emotionally?
2: Um. So this is a lot. Uh. So when I met this fella that I'm dating at this moment, I. was like, yes, I'm into him. I'm very excited. It was like, I met him at a wedding. I was excited about it. I was like, ready to like do things. And then like things weren't perhaps progressing as if I would like them to. I don't know what that was. I literally have no idea. But then I got to a moment where I was like, holy fuck. And I literally told everyone, I probably told Char, this is my person. No, we're just hanging out. We're doing a thing. It's fine. And then I came into a realization because during COVID, you know, you do a lot of thinking you like do the thought process. I'm a commitment-phobe. And I had no idea I was a commitment-phobe. And I learned about myself that I was a commitment-phobe in, like, so many ways. Like, career, uh, man, all the things. I'm a commitment-phobe. And I was like, I I came to this realization. I was like, holy fuck. And I, like, told all my friends and family. And they're like, well, no shit, you're a commitment-phobe. I'm like, really? No shit? I had no idea. So at this moment, when I realized this, I deleted all my apps. I Stop going on dates. I like told everyone I was dating to like fuck themselves. I'm gonna like try these things with this guy because I'm a commitment phone and I like this guy enough to like make this a thing and like give it a go. So I did. And uh I don't know where we're going with this conversation, but like the
0: Well commitment makes you vulnerable. Exactly. So so
2: that um moment of me being like holy shit I'm a commitment phobe I need to commit and I need to like try this was me being vulnerable because like me giving it a go because he's not like the best communicator in the world and he's not like hey I'm into this let's do this he's not like a let's go ahead and like we're gonna get married it was like a yeah I think you're right like maybe we'll we'll see (laughs) we'll see how things progress so like me like literally like just like Shutting down dating, which has been my identity for a very long time and giving everything to him was a big deal. And that was very vulnerable for me. Mm-hmm. Have you expressed that to him? No, but but uh, I should. <laughs> and perhaps I will. Honestly, though, like that's interesting. Mm. See, and it's so interesting that I'm thinking right now. He was, like, very vulnerable to me the other night and just like, telling me how he he felt about our relationship. And I was like, hey, thank you so much for being vulnerable. I really appreciate that. Oh, like, we
1: love it when other people are vulnerable.
2: Right. And I literally <laughs> said to him, I was like, thank you so much. Like, that's it, it made me really understand who you are. And it really made me understand, like, the dynamic and, like, a lot of things that are happening in our relationship. But perhaps <laughs> he, he would feel the same way if I was vulnerable with him. But again, in my brain, facts are vulnerability, but they're not, clearly. Yeah,
0: not at all. What I, I want to say a little bit because what I know about Katie is that she has a blog called Eat, pray, Tinder. Eat, travel, Tinder. Eat, travel.
2: No, no praying. No, no praying. praying, no praying. <laughs> all traveling. No, you praying you should pray sorry. more.
0: First of all, uh, eat, travel, Tinder. And when I first like, I started like scrolling through some of the posts and stuff that you were like doing. I I got the impression that these people that you were dating like it was part of an adventure that you were living and and these like kind of things but i was like that there's not there's not a woman that is um like those guys have nothing on her like she has everything on them like you're writing about it you're you're you are there as this like kind of like thing who knows where these guys are like it could some might just be totally up for the ride and just like yeah i just want the night but other guys might be like i'm really into you i want this to like go on and so tying that into this conversation about vulnerability i'm just very curious because like the impression i get is like Katie is not vulnerable.
2: Oh, in my blog and in my travels and my dating travels, I'm nowhere near vulnerable. Like there's none of that. It's so here are my thoughts. So when I was traveling and Tinder and while I was traveling, I was open to meeting someone that would be my human. I don't care where they're from. I really don't like I can make it happen wherever it is. And I was never under the impression that the person I'm going to meet is from Sarnia. Right. Right. So, and I'm a traveler. Like, I just, I, I truly believed that I could meet someone on travel. So, like, in this vlog, it was never a, I'm just, like, going to fuck around and, like, doing whatever. Like, I could meet someone. But it ended up being fun. And, like, I feel like when you date in a fun regard, it can lead to whatever. And it can lead to a lot of people being interested in you. It could be a lot of people who are interested in a Canadian girl coming to their country and it's like a good time and they understand it's a good time. So we're on the same page. Sometimes it wasn't the same page. Um, But I would have hoped, and again, it probably would have been the same situation I'm in right now with um, my current boyfriend, where if I come across someone who had interested me enough to be vulnerable and be that sort of way, then I would have. Right. It just never got anywhere close to that. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it became fun. Yep. It became like, oh, you're like a dude who's interested in taking me out and not trying to sleep with me. Okay, let's go have a fun time. If we have a connection, sure. But like didn't have to be that way i
1: just gonna hold it
0: <laughs> I don't know why it just keeps falling off
1: he's talking about the microphone listeners
0: <laughs> just so you guys know just holding my dick <laughs> <laughs> hanging out
1: guys Typical disgusting eight. down here <laughs> <laughs> no that's
0: good that's a good I like that response Um. this has been fun Real nice. This
2: has been really fun. Thank you guys so much for having me.
1: Anytime. Come back.
2: I feel more freak? tonight that I'm more of an eight than I've ever been.
0: Oh, that's good. You should definitely, here's what I would suggest. Google um, each of the three subtypes of the eight. Okay. Sexual, social, self pres. Okay. And then type in the words personality cafe. Because on Personality Cafe, what someone did was Beatrice Chestnut wrote a book um, where she's the one that explores all the subtypes, and they just copy like the whole chapter for the three subtypes for it, and then you can definitely figure out your subtype from that. Okay. They're very good, and so what they say—this <laughs> is a nightmare. What they say <laughs> is that you generally you have a primary. Subtype, a secondary subtype, and then you suppress one of the subtypes.
2: Okay.
0: Which, it goes deep. So, it, it keeps going deeper and deeper. The Enneagram goes, uh, yeah. Just deep. can't stop. Just can't stop. Should we go on the hot tub now?
2: Yeah! We shall. Thank you so much. It's fun times. Love you guys. Okay, bye!
0: Love! Like, they say that if you take you know 20 different kids and put them all into like a village and you raise them like the same way and they're all at the same age they're all going to they're all going to be different in the end even though they're probably all experiencing similar trauma similar life situations similar rules similar raising and all these other kinds of things they're all going to be different because their numbers are different and they're interacting with that trauma they're interacting with each other in those kinds of ways I don't know. I, I know I'm butchering it. I think it's Russ Hudson. His book like really gets into like the childhood development and how that sort of like evolves into like the adults that they are after. But
2: It's very interesting, though, because then at like what stage do you become your true number? Uh, the but true, the, when do you become a true eight or whatever? And if what
0: we've learned about the Enneagram is the Enneagram is not your number. The Enneagram is the defense mechanisms that you have put up because of these patterns to defend people from knowing who you really are and defend you from really knowing yourself. So you aren't an eight like we are eights because those are the patterns that we've developed over our entire lives to actually avoid um, being vulnerable.
2: So do we think that like experienced trauma has made us develop the patterns that made us who we are? So we're only eights because we developed, we did the trauma?
1: No, I think we were probably born with eightness and then you suppress, I think when you're a child, you probably suppress a lot of things. And like, I even know that I reached out a, a point at a certain time in my life where like I had conversations with my parents and stuff where I finally felt like I could sort of like be myself. And like now I feel like I can be myself around my mom and dad. Almost a hundred percent, you know, but like for so long I didn't feel that way because there was pressure to be one way or making decisions a certain way. I think wow. we do suppress it a lot.
0: Like you've probably heard the language of like true self, false self, a little bit. That your number is your false self.
2: So do you think is so? Do you think parents today who are like I feel like humans. Like us being more aware of this right now. Want to raise our children as people who can express who they want to be. Yes. So we're going to raise our kids to be more like I don't want to raise my kid like giving ideals on them.
0: Yeah, You don't want to tell them who they are.
2: Right. So do we think that so then if we're going on the number way, if our number is like our false self, do we think our children who are growing up not suppressing anything or not suppressing who they are and trying to be who our parents want us to be and being us because our parents have decided we can be us is it going to be different does that make a difference at all
1: how are you vulnerable
2: so it's actually funny because this has been the vulnerability thing has been something that's been a question for a long time and in my previous sales job I was always told I was like You're not vulnerable. I'm like, what do you mean I'm not vulnerable? I tell everyone what's happening in my life.
0: Transparency does not equal vulnerability.
2: I know, but I... (laughs) uh, So, this is what I'm learning. This is what I'm learning. And... Oh, this is a hard question now. Am I vulnerable? I think I'm vulnerable with my closest people. You know what I mean? Like, when I feel like when I get with my closest girlfriends... (laughs) I can be like I'm feeling insecure in this regard. And maybe I'm not fully understanding your question. Like what do you like what do you
1: mean? No, it's true
2: though. Like maybe I'm not. Like what do you mean by like how am I vulnerable?
1: How are you vulnerable?
2: With who? Like
1: just just answer.
2: I don't know the (laughs) I don't know how to answer the question. I don't know how to answer the question. I really don't. Um (laughs) Why is this so funny? Are you? It's been a struggle for me to be vulnerable my whole life. And so the problem is, is like, I think my vulnerability is different than what, you know what I mean? Like, I think, oh, this happened in my life. So something to me that would deem vulnerability.
0: To somebody else. Yeah.
2: Hi, my dad died. To me, that's vulnerable. Right? To me, if I'm telling you that this happened, I'm being vulnerable because, like, obviously I feel some sort of way when my dad died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's vulnerable. Hey, I really liked my dad and my dad died. To me, that's vulnerable.
0: Is it? Yes. Why? Like, how are you being vulnerable by sharing history?
2: So maybe I'm not. So, right. So, so this is where I'm probably not correct in thinking and literally no wrong answer no there is i i've truly this is i'm not joking been a question i've had with people my entire life um where it's like well your facts aren't vulnerability Mm -hmm. but i don't know if right now in my life i know how to be vulnerable i don't know how
1: that's honest i was asking because it's uh when Nathan hosted the Enneagram workshop weekend, that was the repeating question for eights, right?
0: As a practice, each number has a repeating question. And so to an eight, you would say, how are you vulnerable? And you listen to their answer. And then you say, oh, wow, thank you. And then you say, so how are you vulnerable? And you ask it. And the whole purpose of the repeating questions is that your first answer is generally your conscious answer, like like i my first answer to that was i'm not i'm not vulnerable like don't and then you ask again and then it gets into your sort of subconscious and then if you ask again like you're starting to get into your unconscious like what's actually going on and by the time that those questions were at the end for me by the third or fourth time I was asked that question I was like in tears I'm like I'm so lonely <laughs> Like, I don't know I'm so like it was a disaster it see was- and
1: we've <laughs> talked about this before and I think it's funny because I didn't go to that weekend but when he was talking to me about the um, repeating questions and that experience that he had where his initial reaction was I'm not I think this is a male female thing where men see vulnerability as weakness and women value vulnerability mm-hmm. and so if somebody asked me that question my initial reaction would have been I'm so vulnerable like I have put my life out there I have talked about what's happened in my life I share all the time about that kind of stuff not all the time but like I will share those kinds of things with people but it's true that information is not the same thing as being vulnerable and so it's interesting that you as another female ate, like your initial reaction was like to want to prove that you are vulnerable I'm right str- I'm
2: struggling right now I'm really struggling and I struggled with this before when I was called in on it before with information but like how do you get more vulnerable than facts? <laughs> like I don't I don't know.
0: Cause vulnerability is allowing other people the ability to hurt you.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Do we so ever facts- do that?
0: we are very good at providing facts because facts actually serve as a protection for our vulnerability. So I'm
2: going to give you like two different scenarios. Okay. Mom and dad died. That's really fucking shitty. I watched them die. That's really shitty. Also, I'm getting into a new relationship and it's scary. Like getting hurt again is going to be scary one day. Like the potential of that is, and I've had to work through a lot of things to get there. Like what more do you want from me? You know what I mean? Like, how can I be more vulnerable than that information that I've just given you?
0: Yeah. No, that's fair.
2: Right? Yeah, like, no, like I, I just like struggle with, like, how do I be vulnerable with you? Here are the facts. Here's how I feel. That's it.
0: But
1: I think it's not. It's so much less about, like, what we share or talk about and so much more about what we're brave enough to put ourselves in this situation of. And I th- feel that you and I approach relationships in a somewhat similar fashion in that we always feel in control of the relationship like we are, we are steadfast about our ability to be alone and I think that part of that is because to us that's a protection against being in a situation where we could be vulnerable and we're out of control and somebody could hurt us
0: Maybe a better question is when's the last time you've been vulnerable with and you don't have to explain the situation with a, a romantic partner?
2: Never. <laughs> <laughs> um...
0: And then like why not? Like what is it that is like ugh. because for me My partners generally find it very difficult to get to know me because I'm very guarded. They don't feel that I'm being vulnerable with them. And how do you build a relationship with somebody who you're not being vulnerable with?
1: And I think that's part of our like independence and our going into something where it's like, just so you know, I'm fine on my own. Like if so this isn't work thoughts out, right I'm now. Fine. Like
2: I'm actually feeling very weird right now. And I so I'm in a very new relationship. I've been like I'm single a lot of my life. So my feelings on this are like, well, if you're not feeling like I'm open enough, you're not asking me enough questions. You know what I mean? Because I feel like I'm open enough that, like, if you're going to ask me enough, qu- if you're going to ask me questions, I'm going to be open to you. I'm going to tell you what's up.
0: But take the idea of them knowing particular information out of the equation. Do they? <laughs> do you allow yourself to be into a, in a position with somebody else where they can hurt you emotionally?
2: Um. So. This is a lot. Uh, So when I met this fella that I'm dating at this moment, I was like, yes, I'm into him. I'm very excited. It was like I met him at a wedding. I was excited about it. I was like ready to like do things. And then like things weren't perhaps progressing as if I would like them to. I don't know what that was. I literally have no idea. But then I got to a moment where I was like, holy fuck. And I literally told everyone. I probably told Char this is my person. No, we're just hanging out. We're doing a thing. It's fine. And then I came into a realization. Because during COVID, you know, you do a lot of thinking. You, like, do the thought process. I was, oh, I'm a commitment-phobe. And I had no idea it was a commitment-phobe. And I learned about myself as a commitment-phobe in, like, so many ways. Like, career, uh, man, all the things. I'm a commitment-phobe. And I was like, I, I came to this realization. I was like, holy fuck. And I, like, told all my friends and family. And they're like... <laughs> well, no shit. You're a commitment. Pho- i like, really? No shit. I had no idea. So at this moment, when I realized this. I deleted all my apps. I stopped going on dates. I like told everyone I was dating to like fuck themselves. So I'm going to like try these things with this guy because I'm a commitment. Pho- and I like this guy enough to like make this a thing and like give it a go. So I did. And... uh I don't know where we're going with this conversation, but like the
0: Well, commitment I feel, makes so you vulnerable. So, but exactly. I'll tell you so,
2: that much. so that um moment of me being like, holy shit, I'm a commitment phobe. I need to commit and I need to like try this was me being vulnerable. Because like me giving it a go. Because he's not like the best communicator in the world. And he's not like, hey, I'm into this, let's do this. He's not like a let's go ahead and, like, we're going to get married. It was like a, yeah, I think you're right. And, like, maybe we'll we'll see. We'll, we'll see how things progress. So, like, me, like, literally, like, just, like, shutting down dating, which has been my identity for a very long time, and giving everything to him was a big deal. And that was very vulnerable for me. Mm-hmm. Have you expressed that to him? No. But, but uh, I should. <laughs> and perhaps I will honestly though like that's interesting mm. seeing it's so interesting that I'm thinking right now he was like very vulnerable <laughs> to me the other night and just telling me how he he felt about our relationship and I was like hey thank you so much for being vulnerable I really appreciate that oh like, we
1: love it when other people are vulnerable.
2: right and I literally <laughs> said to him I was like thank you so much like that's it, it made me really understand who you are and it really made me understand like the dynamic and like a lot of things that are happening in our relationship. But perhaps <laughs> he, he would feel the same way if I was vulnerable with him. But again, in my brain, facts are vulnerability, but they're not. Clearly. Yeah,
0: not at all. What I, I want to say a little bit because what I know about Katie is that she has a blog called Eat, pray, Tinder. Eat, travel, Tinder. Eat, travel. No no praying. No, no praying. praying, no praying. Shit. <laughs>
2: all traveling, no you praying. You should pray
0: sorry. more, first of all. Uh, eat, travel, Tinder. And when I first, like, I started, like, scrolling through some of the posts and stuff that you were, like, doing. I, I got the impression that these people that you were dating like it was part of an adventure that you were living and and these like kind of things but i was like that there's not there's not a woman that is um like those guys have nothing on her like she has everything on them like you're writing about it you're you're you are there as this like kind of like thing who knows where these guys are like it could some might just be totally up for the ride and just like yeah i just want the night but other guys might be like i'm really into you i want this to like go on and so tying that into this conversation about vulnerability i'm just very curious because like the impression i get is like Katie is not vulnerable
2: oh in like, my blog like... and in my travels and my dating travels I'm nowhere near vulnerable like there's none of that it's so here are my thoughts so when I was traveling and tinder room, while I was traveling I was open to meeting someone that would be my human I don't care where they're from I really don't like I can make it happen wherever it is and I was never under the impression that the person I'm going to meet is from Sarnia. Right. Right. So, and I'm a traveler. Like, I just, I, I truly believed that I could meet someone on travel. So, like, in this vlog, it was never a, I'm just, like, going to fuck around and, like, doing whatever. Like, I could meet someone. But it ended up being fun. And, like, I feel like when you date in a fun regard, it can lead to whatever. And it can lead to a lot of people being interested in you. It could be a lot of people who are interested in a Canadian girl coming to their country and it's like a good time and they understand it's a good time. So we're on the same page. Sometimes it wasn't the same page. Um, But I would have hoped, and again, it probably would have been the same situation I'm in right now with um, my current boyfriend, where if I come across someone who had interested me enough to be vulnerable and be that sort of way, then I would have. Right. It just never got anywhere close to that. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it became fun. Yep. It became like, oh, you're like a dude who's interested in taking me out and not trying to sleep with me. Okay, let's go have a fun time. If we have a connection, sure. But like didn't have to be that way
1: i just gonna hold it
0: <laughs> I don't know why it just keeps falling off
1: he's talking about the microphone listeners
0: <laughs> just so you guys know just holding my dick <laughs> <laughs> just hanging out guys disgusting
1: Typical down here <laughs> <laughs>
0: no that's good that's a good I like that response Um, this has been fun Real nice. This has
2: been really fun. Thank you guys so much for having me.
1: Anytime. Come back. I
2: feel it, more you... tonight that I'm more of an eight than I've ever been.
0: Oh, that's good. You should definitely, here's what I would suggest. Google um, each of the three subtypes of the eight. Okay. Sexual, social, self president Okay. And then type in the words personality cafe. Because on Personality Cafe, what someone did was Beatrice Chestnut wrote a book um, where she's the one that explores all the subtypes and they just copy like, the whole chapter for the three subtypes for it. And then you can definitely figure out your subtype from that. Okay. They were very good. And so what they say... <laughs> this is a nightmare. What they say <laughs> is that you generally you have a primary subtype, a secondary subtype, and then you suppress one of the subtypes. Okay. Which it goes deep. So it, it keeps going deeper and deeper. The Enneagram goes... Uh, yeah. just deep. can't stop. Just can't stop. Should we go on the hot tub now?
2: Yeah! We shall. Thank you so much. It's fun times. Love you guys. Okay, bye! Love.